is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. The title of John's talk today is Risk-Taking Faith. And I'm going to read Matthew 14, verses 22 to 32. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Risk-takers, are you in here today? Risk-takers, can I see you in this building? Let me just get set up. Now, some of the men in here might be thinking, my wife often does this, they see a a wall in the house, they say, that would be good as a little standard wall. Dear, how about you wallpaper in it? That's not exactly what I'm here to do today, I've got to say. So don't get your hopes up, ladies. I've done this before. Okay, here we go. Julie's just read out the verse that I want to concentrate on this morning. And if you know your Bibles well, you'll know that that verse just comes after the disciples were involved in the feeding of the 5,000. So I guess that faith must have been really high. They'd just seen their Lord and Saviour produce five loaves and three fishes and feed over 5,000 men. And, and those in, in the know would probably say that probably equates to about seven, seven and a half thousand people. And then you know that when they, carried, they took all the fish and the loaves back in the baskets, there was more than they started with. So faith must have been really high when we get to this part in Matthew. So the situation is, there's the 12 disciples in the boat, and we know they're on the Sea of Galilee. It's three o'clock in the morning, it's very dark, and as Julie's just read out, the boat was tormented by waves, there was a violent storm, and the 12 disciples are huddled in the bottom of the boat. They're not worried just about making it to the other side of the lake, they're probably more worried about staying alive in the storm. 
And if that wasn't enough, there was a shadow walking towards them on the water. And verse 26 says, the disciples was convinced it was a ghost and they cried out in fear. So what can we deduce from this? I think that Matthew wants us to recognise from this that sometimes it takes the eyes of faith to recognise when Jesus is around. If you're anything like me, when I'm in the middle of a storm tormented by waves of disappointment and doubt, I'm no better at recognising his presence than perhaps they were. And I wonder if you're waiting for a visitation from God today, do you need him to act on your behalf in any part of your lives? Matthew wants us to remember that Jesus often comes when it's least expected, 3 a.m. in the middle of the storm. These divinely appointed moments will come to you and to me. And he still asks his followers to attempt great things for him and to expect great things from him. And if you're not looking for him, you might just miss him. Twelve sat in the boat on that day and we'll never know how 11 of them responded to that voice that called out, come. Maybe there was confusion, maybe disbelief, maybe wonder, or perhaps a little of each. But this story is not only about risk-taking, but it's about obedience. That means that you and I will have to learn to discern the authentic call of God from what might be a simple, foolish impulse on our part. How do we seek that authentic call of God? Maybe we seek guidance. If you're in a life group, maybe a life group leader. If you wanted to come and find somebody in the leadership team here in Jubilee, maybe a trusted Christian friend can help you. Maybe you're going to pray. Maybe you'll ask God for wisdom. The Christian life is full of practicalities. But Peter had no intention at that stage of getting out of this boat without hearing from Jesus. In verse 28, he says, If it is you, Lord, command me, tell me to come. And sometimes we may hear the audible voice of God calling us. I don't know if I've ever heard that. In my spirit, I might have heard it, but I've never heard the audible voice of God calling us. But I guess there's some out there, some of you will have heard that. Sometimes it's just a feeling that we have. And sometimes someone confirms a word or brings a scripture. But here was Peter's dilemma. The Lord is passing by. He's inviting him to go on an adventure of a lifetime. But at the same time, Peter was scared to death. What will you choose today? Water or boats? Boat or water? I guess the boat was relatively safe, secure and comfortable. You're with the experienced fishermen who are used to storms on that lake. And the water, well, that was rough. The waves were high. The wind was blowing. You might sink and you're on your own. But I believe there is something and someone in each, inside each one of us who tells us there's more to life than just sitting in a boat. You and I were made for something more than merely avoiding failure. So let me ask you this morning, what is your boat? Your boat will be whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. Your boat is whatever you're tempted to put your trust in, especially when life gets a little stormy. Want to know what your boat is? Your fear will tell you that. Just ask yourself this. What is it that produces fear in me? Especially when I'm thinking of leaving it behind and stepping out in faith. Maybe it's your job. There's a security and a sense of worth in that. Maybe it's a relationship you're in. You feel secure. You can be yourself. Maybe it's your finances. You put your trust in your income and your bank account. 
Maybe it's losing your secrecy about something, going public, getting found out. Fear will tell you what your boat is. Leaving might be the hardest thing you will ever do. But if you want to participate in the adventure that Peter had, then you have to get out of that boat and you have to take risks. But I hear you say, I'd love to do something like this, but the fear in me is too great. But remember this. Each time you get out of that boat, you become more likely to get out of that boat again. Stepping out will be different for everyone here. So let's make it practical this morning. What is faith all about? Can you see that? I don't suppose you can. It's a mustard seed. Okay, a mustard seed. And we know from Scripture in Matthew, it tells us that. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So maybe stepping out will be different for each one of us here. Maybe you're a new Christian and you think, what I'd really like to do is in my life group in midweek, I'd like to be able to pray out for the first time. And you think, that is a massive step of faith for me. So here I am with my grain of mustard seed. That's where I'm at at the moment. And then you think, actually, what I'll do is in the privacy of my own home, I'm going to speak out so I can get used to my own voice in public, as it were. Just speak out so when I speak out, it doesn't sound strange in a life group setting. So here I am. Grain of mustard seed. Now, this is my circle of faith now. Here's my life group. Here I am. I'm in my new circle of faith. I've moved from the mustard seed. Put that down. I'm now thinking right now. I've done in my own, in my own room. I've, I've spoken out loud, so I'm used to my own voice. Now, maybe the next stage from that is, the next stage is to go and find my life group leaders to say, next week, when there's, a, when there's a time for prayer, can I pray out, please, in the life group? And, of course, they're going to encourage you because our life group leaders are lovely people. They can say, of course, you can pray out. No problem at all. So you think, right, life group comes along. Here's the time. I step out of the boat. I'm prayed. For the first time in public, I prayed out. Amazing. No one said it wasn't bad or anything. In fact, people came up to me often and said, what a great prayer. So now my faith's quite on a high now. So next thing is, I think God's got hold of me for this sort of thing now. So I don't want to be big-headed about it, but I think I can pray out in public. So I then think, Sunday morning, I wonder if there's going to be an opportunity to pray for somebody or pray out loud. So now I'm moving up to this next faith circle, as it were. Now... I'm comfortable praying out loud. I've done it in my room. I've done it in a life group setting with 12 or 14 people. I'm now standing in front of Jubilee Church and you're quite a frightening people, actually, I've got to say. You really are standing up here and praying. It'll be quite frightening. So actually, but I'm in my new train of faith and I know that I can step out from here now. So do you see how it works? So we start with a small thing and we step out, we step out, we step out. And now I'm happy praying Jubilee on a Sunday. So when the next Billy Graham concert comes along, I'm at the front there now. I'm, I'm going for it big time in Wembley Stadium. So that's how it works. Now, it could be different for everybody here. You might be, you might be here at school and you might think, actually, um, my, my, my school, schoolmates think, actually, I'm a bit strange because I go to this church youth group. But at some stage, I need to break ranks. I need to tell them what that's all about because they've asked a couple of questions and I've sort of skirted around the edge a little bit. But actually, no, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to make a point of telling them this week. And then we move up in our faith circle. So at the time, we're confident enough to read and, and do things in church. And maybe if you want to pray for others on a church on a Sunday, basically, you think, well, I'm not quite sure if I've prayed for anybody before. When people come down to be prayed for, then come down and shadow them. Life group leaders encourage your folks to come down and shadow people when we're praying. So everybody gets into the, into the whole 
idea of, of praying without being embarrassed about it. Now let's think about it. There's always going to be fear and fear will not go away, but you'll get used to living with that fear. In the church we used to belong to down in Sussex, there was a most wonderful pastor there who actually um, stammered an awful lot. So you can imagine, when he stood up on the Sunday to bring the word of God, he stammered and stuttered his way through it for about 35, 40 minutes. And he knew, actually, he used to say, actually, I think it's just God giving, keeping me humble. But it was embarrassing to sit in the, in, the, you know, in the church, basically listening to him. I mean, the words he brought were absolutely wonderful. And he couldn't have wanted for a, for a better word. But actually, he struggled every single week. But he was not going to allow fear to derail him. And then you begin to realise that fear does not have the power to destroy you. On the, other hand, on the other hand, every time you resist that call, every time you stay in the boat rather than heed the call of God, the voice gets a little quieter in you. Then at last you don't hear the call at all. And complacency and apathy and procrastination set in. And all those are enemies of God's people. Ever done this? Oh, I'll wait until I finish uni or I'll wait until I've changed my job or I'll wait until I've got a bit more money in the bank or I'll wait or I'll wait and I'll wait and I'll get round to it. I don't, I've done it loads of times and I'm sure you've done it as well. But think about this. Because Peter put himself in a position to fail, he also put himself in a position to grow. It's the same with you and me. But remember, failure will never shape you. Rather, the way you respond to failure shapes you. Let me say that again. Failure does not shape you. Rather, the way you respond to failure shapes you. So, ever done this? Pray for someone and there's no visible healing. What does that make you feel? Don't know if I want to do that again. I felt a bit embarrassed praying for that person because they didn't get better. Now, Graham, if Graham was here, he often quotes John Wimber, who was a most wonderful a man with a healing ministry, and prayed for months and months, prayed for hundreds of people before anybody ever got better. And in fact, I think a lot of people got worse. But then God saw the faith in the man, and actually there was a breakthrough, and he had the most wonderful healing ministry. So it's something about pushing through here. Or ever had this? You brought a picture in a life group setting, or maybe at the front of the church, and no one responded. Goodness me, ground swallow me up. That's terrible, isn't it? It's not, is it? It's not. But how did you respond to that? Did you go away and think, I won't do that again? Or did he say, no, actually, no one responded that time, but I'm going to press through in this because I think God's got hold of me at such, such a time as this. So failure does not shape you the way we respond to it does. So maybe there was a time in your life when you were walking on the water on a regular basis. Yeah, do you know those times when actually you're so full of the faith of God, you think you can take on anything in life. Those are wonderful times, aren't they? Actually, you're on the front foot and, yeah, bring the sick to me. I just feel that God's got, God, God's got a plan for my life and I can break through that and I've done that. And, and a time when your heart was much like Peter's. Tell me to come to you, Lord. You know, imagine when Peter stood up in that storm and he saw Jesus coming to him on the water and he said, right, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get out of this boat and I'm going to walk on the water. Why Peter out of the twelve? I wonder if there's a time when you would risk sharing your faith, even if it meant rejection. Give, even if it meant sacrifice. Serve, even if it meant the possibility of failure. Sometimes you sank, and sometimes you soared, 
but you lived on the edge of faith and you set in motion an adventure that left you forever changed. Has your boat become too comfortable? Has it got nice padded seats and all the mod cons in it? I believe the Lord is passing by this morning. There is indeed a storm out there and your faith will not be perfect. But if you step out, I believe two things will happen today. The first is when you fail, and you will fail sometimes, Jesus will be there to pick you up. You will not fail alone. You will find that he is wholly adequate to save. And the other thing is, every once in a while, you will walk on the water. Think about the other 11 in the boat on that day. They understood the cost. They were aware of the pain of potential failure, of embarrassment, of their inadequacy, of their criticism, and even the potential loss of life. But what they were not so aware of was another price, the cost of staying in the boat. They missed it. They missed Jesus walking by. They were too worried about their own safety to do anything about it. The cost of doing nothing in that situation and in our lives is a lack of growth coupled with a fear and feeling of what might have been. What might have been? Do you ever have regrets? Regret is a spirit-sapping condition, always looking behind, always wondering, if only I had done this or I had done that, if only I hadn't said that or I had said that. Ephesians 3:13 to 14 tells us to forget what is behind and press on towards the goal. It's important that we leave past hurts and disappointments behind. They trip us up and they slow us down. Leave them at the foot of the cross. This is a new day and it brings with it new challenges and new opportunities. I had an opportunity about six years ago. I was part of the leadership team in Jubilee and at that stage uh, we had oversight from a wonderful man of God called Nick Sharp who now looks after the church in Nottingham. And he was looking at the current leadership team and he was looking for some elders to come out of that leadership team. And did I procrastinate? Oh, yes, I did. And I picked up a book by an author called P.J. Smythe and in that book, basically, I think the title was something, The World Needs Elders or something. So if ever the gospel needs to go forward, then churches need to be planted and we need to put leadership teams and elders in those churches. And P.J. Smythe was asking three questions of potential potential elders. The first was, have you got the vision for it? And I thought, okay, well, I can can see that. I've probably got the vision for that. I think I have anyway. The second one was, uh, have you got a lack of teaching? Well, I I knew the scriptures fairly well on eldership, so I'd read them through. Nick Sharp had discussed them with with the leadership team at that stage. So I thought I was fairly secure on that one. But then the third question that P.J. Smythe asked in his and his opening chapter was, have you got the courage? And I knew that I hadn't. I hadn't got the courage to stand up and be an elder in the church. The cost was too great. I, I wasn't prepared for it. And I procrastinated and I ammed and ahmed for, for weeks and weeks. And then Nick sat me down one day and said, you need to make a decision. Are you going to jump for God or are you going to stay behind? And I knew at that stage I needed to go for God in that particular thing. Your opportunity to step out might be something different from mine, I guess. Here's a question. What are you and I doing 
that we could not do apart from the power and the fire of God in our lives. Or to put it another way, is there any challenge in your life right now that is so large that you have no hope of doing it apart from God's help? Ever been there? Oh, gosh, I've got this wonderful faith goal in my life, Lord, but I'm never going to do it without you. Or, God, I think you've called me to do that, but I don't know where to start. Have you got something happening like that in your life at the moment? If not, consider the possibility that you may be seriously under-challenged. I personally want to be in a church where individuals are taking risks, where we are always on the front foot for God, full of expectation, and where we, where we experience the suddenly moments we find in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit breaks in. I was out walking the dog a couple of weeks ago in um, the local village, Finden, and I passed the local um, Methodist church there, and on the front gate, they had a big poster up there saying, Messy Church. I thought, that's interesting, it's an interesting because it's not called Messy Church, it's called St. Peter's or something. So Messy Church, and I thought, what's a Messy Church? And then I think it was on, it must have been on the news somewhere. The newest way of getting people off the street into church buildings appears to be opening up the place up on a Saturday and Sunday, oh, sorry, on a Saturday, and having face painting and finger painting, all that sort of thing. So just to get, you know, to, to break down the barriers of this is not just for those chosen few to walk through the doors. Everybody can come, and it's called Messy Church. I thought, actually, that's what summed it up for me. I like Messy Church. I don't like everything regimented. And we've always said we're a church of the spirit and the word, and we want to get that balance, absolutely. But sometimes church is quite messy, and I think sometimes when you look at Acts 2, you'll see when the Holy Spirit breaks in, actually that's quite messy because there's people all over the place being prayed for. You know, we have times of that in this building here, which are wonderful. But I guess we have the potential to either stifle God's intentions or allow him to take us on on an uncharted and adventurous faith walk today. Remember Peter and the other 11? Will you stay in the boat or will you be a risk taker? And so as I was preparing for this morning, there's a few things I really want to pray for today, please. There are people in this building and I was supposed to be bringing this word next week and I had a couple of names on my heart. One of them's not here. One of them is. You're carrying a bunch of keys basically because God's given you the keys to open up other people's situations and lives. Today he wants to give you and remind you the authority that you have in Christ. Tim, you're one of those people. I'd love to pray for you later, please. The other one was was John Blundell and he's not here today. And there may be others that applies to. You've been given the bunch of keys. Maybe someone's spoken a word over your life in the the past and says, yes, you've got the keys to unlock situations. Today, if that's you, I'd love to pray for you for the authority of Christ to be imparted upon you. The second group of people I wanted to pray for, and I asked Tim and Paul if we could keep both resound and rooted the two youth groups in here today. Let me just come back one stage, sorry, to the authority one. Luke 10:19 says this, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. 
Nothing will harm you. So we're going to do some trampling today. There's me muddy our walking boots. We have the authority. Fire. Nothing in this petrol can, you'll be pleased to know. Otherwise, you'll be leaving pretty quickly. Fire of God. We're going to pray for that. Now, especially, especially on my heart today was members of Resound. Can you just stick your hand up? If you're a member of Resound, you can just stick your hand up just see how many are here. Okay, now I felt that God had started to give one of you guys in Resound some pictures, okay? And God wants to add to those today. And he wants you not to keep them to yourself. God has given you a gift and he wants you to use that in Resound and far wider than that as well. So we're going to be praying for people in Resound as well today. Now thirdly, what I felt in my heart was And we've talked about this already. And an increased measure of faith. Truly I tell you, says in Matthew, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So I wonder if the band can come back up, please. So the challenge this morning is what is your boat? What is your comfort zone? Is it time for you to step out this morning? Have you had maybe words prayed over you that have not yet come to fruition? Is today the day to get prayer? And there's a um, words of a song that um, your songs have just written that my son sent me last night. It says, it says this, this is the song, it's from a song called Ocean. It says, let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. So, it's about risk taking this morning. And I know many of you will be happy to get out of your chairs and maybe get prayer today. And some of you won't be. Some of you will find that's quite a risk to get out of your seats. But I want to pray for these things this morning. I want to pray for a measure of faith for people today. Faith. Small as a mustard seed this morning. Are you going to step out? Is God calling you to step out today in some area of your life? I want to pray for the fire of God to fall upon people this morning. Matthew 3.11 says this, and this is John the Baptist saying this. He says, I'll baptise you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you need fire in your Christian walk? 
You want that little bit of touch from God today? So we're going to be praying for fire. And then we're going to be praying for the authority of God. Now I felt God say to me that he wanted to set up, I can only describe it, this is what I felt he say, four muster stations here today. So it's almost like a muster station on the boats, basically where people come together, isn't it, before they're given instructions to maybe leave the boat or whatever. So I want to just call out four different places along here today. So if you just want to be prayed for, for just an extra measure of God's faith, come up to that one there, please. If you want the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall upon you, and I honestly believe that God is here by his spirit and he's going to meet with you today, I want you to stand here, please. If you feel that you're called out for the authority of God today, I want you to come down here. And if you're part of Resound today, I just want to gather around you. So if you'd like to come up to here, does that make sense? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday.